Hello and welcome to episode 27 of the 10 to Track. This is a podcast of weekly world match mini previews. We'll be talking footy from upcoming matches. Uh, dates Friday, April 2nd through Thursday, April 8th this episode. I will be joined as always by my co-host and recently turned nine-year-old daughter, but she is still person noob for branding and privacy purposes. I am comparatively new to many of you to covering soccer, only been following it four years. She is comparatively new at being alive as a human being, hence her moniker. In any case, what have you got yourself into? Well, a little bit of silliness and fun, but a whole lot of really unique footy talk. Each week, Team Noob gives you the condensed scoop on the 10 most important matches in the world as we define them. We'll cover important matches from the biggest leagues around in the world, sure, but we just as much love to cover, say, one versus uh, second place matchups from any league in the world, important cup matches, international matches, and we are willing to go to far-flung corners of the footy world to get you what you didn't even necessarily know you were missing out on. In short, if it's paramount where it's being played, it's a match we are going to love covering here, and we're going to give you some that no other podcast out there is even talking about. So, let's dive right in. Person Noob with... Match number one! And we start our podcast in the Premier League of Bozia and Herzegovina. This is the number 36th ranked UEFA league, and that's up four spots from a year ago. Uh, they're far enough down in the coefficient rankings that they still just get one Champions League first qualifying round berth and uh, two Europa Conference League berths. Also, those teams will start in the first qualifying round. For those who are new or not aware, that's going to be the new tertiary tournament under the Europa League. And they're about two-thirds of the way through the season there, just like much of Europe. Your matchup, number one, FK Sarajevo versus number B. The B will become apparent after the next match. Shiroki Brieg. Uh, Sarajevo right now lead the league by five, but they have been trying to make a race of it. They led by a lot more. Sarajevo just beat last place Krupa in their last match, and they had actually dropped their two matches before that, uh, including a nil-one loss at this team, Shiroki Brieg. And so now they're doing their return leg for the regular season. Meanwhile, Shiroki Brieg haven't lost in nine straight matches. So this one, it looks like, is going to come down to the wire, and this match will be pivotal. Pivotal, rather. Now, since I did mini-preview this match so recently, rather than recover much of the same ground, I thought this would be a great opportunity to check in with our correspondent to the beyond, if you will. That's right, our own in-house noob prognosticator. He of the luxurious robes, as you might imagine, and luxurious white hair and beard. It's our 3,500-year-old superseer, Noobstradamus. Let's see what we can learn of how this match will go from our beloved soothsayer. Hello from the Thracian plains of Greece. Person Noob, a belated ninth happy birthday to you. FK Sarajevo, taking on Shiroki Brieg. Om. Shiroki Brieg, 2-3. Wow, uh, that was uh, fast, Noobstradamus. Usually uh, this segment comes with uh, uh, visions that are a, a lot more uh, colorful and fleshed out, and uh, oftentimes, uh, perhaps by happenstance, 
Perhaps not. We end up learning a bit of history from your visions about a club or the area in which a club or league is located or things like that. I won't apologize. My purpose is to see into the great beyond, travel there in my mind. I don't control what is there to receive. Oftentimes, yes, there is a dramatic narrative to the divination. I'm transported through space and time. Sometimes displeased spirits demand sacrifices of me. There is pain and turmoil. Sometimes not. That's to be the score. Put your cash on the barrelhead. Hey, Noobstradamus, no complaints here. Just worried about you, aged friend. I mean, the Talima Atletico Nacional vision from episode 26, it was pretty darn wild. Okay, full disclosure. Last week's prognostication may have taken a lot out of me. That was one epic... Colombian coffee binge. Yes, coffee. Always remember it was coffee. Seeing myself hang gliding and surfing with the Midland-based actor who portrayed Colombian coffee spokesman Juan Valdez last week. I've seen worse. But that airborne mule Conchita... Noob. Soothsaying can be hell. So take what you can get for my blessing. My curse, asshat. Wow, well, at least I know he kept up with the website back before we became a podcast instead of just SoccerNoob.com. Seems like every second division American coach or figure I interviewed back then for a D2 Tuesday interview, used to call me by that name. In any case, thank you for your efforts, as always. Maybe eventually you'll get one of these winners right. Match number B. You heard right. Match number B. We don't like to say number you-know-what around here. We find that to be uncouth. It's bathroom talk. We can do better. I'm raising person new bright. Viva la number B. Now, this is the second match, and it comes to us from France. They're League One. This is the number five rated league in Europe. They get two group stage bursts in the Champions League. They get another one in the third qualifying round of the CL, and then a Europa Conference League qualifying round berth. And they're about three quarters of the way through the season. Your matchup, number one, PSG, taking on number B, Lille. They are tied in the table on points. PSG lead large by a whopping 15 on goal differential. These two played just a week or so ago in the uh, Coupe de France, and PSG won that FA Cup match 3-0. But that cup really isn't as important as FA Cups in other European countries, Uh, so it's hard to take too much from that. And the first league match between these two that was in Lille ended in a 0-0 draw. First, let's talk about PSG, Paris Saint-Germain. They were the Champions League runners-up last year. They've won this league nine different times, including the last three. Uh, Let's see, they are 23-7 and on the year, doing very well. Not a lot of draws. They have the best league offense by quite a bit, and they are second best in the league on defense. And that's where both these clubs are going to stand apart statistically as defense. So it wouldn't be surprising to see something like another nil-nil draw. Important match, outside chance, or better than outside chance, and it may not be the most exciting match if you end up liking goals. So both teams are perfectly capable. Now... Because 
PSG, for example, has the league leading scorer in Killiam Mbappe, and he is uh, almost 50% more goals than anybody else in the entirety of the league. He plays forward, unbelievably, is still just 22 years old for as long as he's been on the world radar. Uh, Cameroonian descent, uh, he's known for his dribbling, explosive speed, and really good clinical finisher. Uh, he started his senior career with AS Monaco back when he was just 16, and they won the title with him. Uh, he was named the League One Young Player, and then he also won something called the Golden Boy Journalist Award. He came to uh, PSG as the second most expensive transfer in league history and the biggest for a teenager. Uh, he's been named League One Player of the Year before, and he's led the league in scoring already in two different seasons. And he was the youngest player to ever score at a World Cup, going all the way back to the days of Pele. Now, tied for number three, an assistant name you could be a tiny bit less familiar with, is veteran winger uh, Angel de Maria from Argentina. Uh, he is also a top 10 all-time leading scorer for this club and second all-time in assists. Uh, he's played in the past for uh, Benfica from Portugal, Real Madrid, Manchester United. He came to PSG in 2015. He's got over 100 caps uh, with his home country's national team. Uh, he plays a lot like Mbappe, but he's a lot skinnier. Easy way to pick him out of a crowd. Thusly, his nickname is Noodle. I think that's going to make him one of Person Noob's favorite players, to be honest. Statistically, the second best goalie in the league is also theirs, uh, Kalor Navas. He's a veteran from Costa Rica. He spent some years with uh, La Liga clubs, uh, Levante and Real Madrid, and he's widely considered to be the greatest goalie to ever play in CONCACAF of all time. Then we have Lille. Uh, now that city is way up north in the French Flanders region, uh, all but all right on the Belgian border, city of about a quarter million. Uh, last year they finished number four in the league. Uh, this year they lost to Ajax in the Europa League round of 32. They've won three League One titles in the past. Most recent one was uh, 10 years ago, 2010-2011 season. Uh, this year, offense is above average, sure, but the defense is what's number one. And that makes their most important player the goalkeeper, Mike Maynan, in my opinion. Ironically, uh, he came up through the PSG system before coming over to Lille. And he has been named the goalie of the year in 2018-19. And he's made a great case, quite frankly, to win it again uh, this year, potentially. And we have a USA connection here. U.S. men's national team player Tim Weah plays forward for Lille, even though he's just 21 himself. He's actually made a few appearances for PSG before, and then he went on loan to uh, Celtic. He's been with Lille since 2019, although to be honest, he doesn't start a ton. He's made fewer than 30 appearances for him. Now, I also like to do one sort of mini food segment every single podcast, and uh, I like to pick France because everybody knows famous for the cuisine. Now, up in Lille, up there in the north part of the country, the hallmark food I have read that everybody needs to try is called Le Welsh, and I really want to find a way to make this. Now, it has nothing to do with the country of Wales. Uh, basic recipe, you take brown bread, you soak it in dark beer, then you add pink sliced ham and then about a whole pint of a gooey cheese. If you give the one you want is called Marwal. Uh, it's, it's super soft, very, very creamy. You flavor it with some mustard and then you bake it. Uh, I'm down with mustard. Ham's fine. Uh, th that's a lot of gooey cheese. I don't think I could get person noob to eat it. I would certainly try it. Looking forward to if I can find the cheese doing it myself. Still, we don't learn about just soccer here. We learn about the world through soccer. Good times.
Match number three. Our third match keeps us in Europe in another one of the very biggest leagues. So this is another mini preview that'll be really good for uh, some of the people who are a little bit more noob like me. I realize a lot of our more uh, lifelong veteran footy friends will already know a lot of this information, but trying to kind of serve both sides of the audience here. We're headed to Germany, the Bundesliga. This is the number four rated league in all of UEFA. That's down one from a year ago. They just got passed by Italy. Uh, because they're so high in the coefficient rankings, they will get four Champions League group stage berths, one Europa League group stage berth, and then uh, a playoff round uh, Europa Conference League berth. And again, like most of Europe, about two-thirds of the way through the season. The matchup, number B, and now you know what that is, RB Leipzig versus number one Bayern Munich. And by the way, you can catch this one on TV. It's going to be on uh, the telly, 12.30 in the afternoon, Eastern Standard Time, on ESPN2. Bayern Munich currently lead in the table by four points. Uh, Red Bull in turn lead third place Wolfsburg by six. Uh, last time they played was in December, and it was a 3-3 shootout. So here's hoping that this will never be a... Another high-octane, high-offensive game. Uh, first, a little bit about uh, Red Bull Leipzig. Uh, Leipzig is an area in Germany in Saxony, east central part of Germany. Uh, a little bit over a million people probably in the greater metro area. Uh, the name, which I just learned, actually is from Slavic and refers to uh, linden trees, very prominent in the area. So interesting side note for you. Uh, it's a very dense, fast-growing city and is one of the most, uh, sources will say, most livable cities in all of Germany. Uh, also fun from there, uh, they have a really cool, if you like such things, alternative, uh, what they call a dark wave alt music fest. Uh, goth, cyber goth, steampunk, something called Rivet Head, which I'm old enough that I hadn't even heard of before, but basically it's industrial dance. So a pretty hip area to be in if you're into that sort of thing. Now, the club itself, uh, Very Young, was founded in just 2009, and uh, with this recent history, the team is not very popular nationwide, and, and with some folks even in Leipzig itself. It's a uh, kind of corporate-y, if I can make up an adjective. You can Google up some more history about that if you want to. Uh, they've been uh, pretty good in international competition here in the young history. In fact, they made the Champions League semifinal last year. That was on the backs of a number three league finish. This year, uh, their strength is on defense. So that's, that's where their bread gets buttered. They are one of only two clubs that are conceding less than one goal per match. Offense is pretty good, top four in the league. Uh, speaking of their offense, on the assist leaderboard, probably their all-around best offensive player is going to be Danny Olmo. He is from uh, Spain, an attacking midfielder, just 22 years old. I haven't specifically caught any rumors about him going to uh, like La Liga or the Premier League, but being that young, one wonders when somebody might come, one of the Manchester teams or who knows, Barcelona, coming with enough money to pick him off. Uh, he spent five years, started his senior career very young, with Croatian powerhouse Dino Zagreb, and he's already got uh, 10 caps with the Spanish men's national team. Now, like I said, the defense is the big strength for this team, and that is largely due to uh, statistical number one goalkeeper Peter Galashi. He is Hungarian, 30-year-old veteran. Uh, Liverpool had the rights to him a while back, but they always loaned him out, and then he ended up in the, uh, the Red Bull pipeline, if you will, as they own several teams. 
He uh, played with uh, uh, RB Salzburg in Austria before coming here to Leipzig in 2015. And he's got a little over 3,000, uh, 3,000, listen to me, three dozen national team caps for Hungary since 2014. And we'd love to look for these, a USA connection. They have a 22-year-old midfielder from our side of the pond named Tyler Adams. He, too, came up through the Red Bull system. Not Austria for him. He came up through uh, New York Red Bulls and then went over to uh, Leipzig in just 2019. And he's already been playing some for the USMNT since 2017. Other side of the ball, league leading as usual, it seems, Bayern Munich. They have six Champion League titles historically, and they are the current defending champions. They've even won the FIFA World Cup twice and are the defending champs of that as well. 30 league titles to their credit, and they have won the league eight straight times. Waiting to see if this is going to be a year that we get some fresh blood at the top. They've got the number one offense in the league. They score exactly three goals per match. The defense is pretty average, but when you're scoring as much as they do, that's good enough. Uh, number one league leading scorer, uh, Robert Lewandowski. Polish striker, 32 years old, still getting it done. He's got something like two-thirds more goals than the second-highest league scorer going this year. He was actually with a different German powerhouse in the early 2000s. Uh, he was with Dortmund until uh, from 2010 uh, through 14. He's got over 100 national team caps uh, for his home country, Poland. He has led this league in scoring an astounding five different years. And how is he doing it? Well, he is what you would call, whether you like the style or not, a goal poacher. Very much uh, lurks well within the uh, the box area and picks off everything that's loose and puts it in the back of the net. But hey, those count. Helping him out. Number one in assists in the league by nearly 50% is Thomas Muller. He is German and attacking midfielder, 31 years old. He has spent his literal entire career, even going all the way back to his youth days, since 2000 with no other club but this one. He's earned exactly 100 German men's national team cups since 2010. Uh, if you're looking for him on the TV, getting to catch this on the deuce, uh, in league at least, you tend to see him playing center midfield right behind the striker. So look for him lurking behind uh, Lewandowski to kind of set him up. He likes to move a lot in space. If you catch him in one-on-one -on -one positions, that's where he's not going to be as effective and could get dispossessed some. And then finally, your goalkeeper, uh, tied for number three in the league in clean sheets, is Manuel Neuer. He is 35 years old. He is by many considered to be the greatest goalkeeper of at least the modern era in the entire world, and certainly the best sweeper keeper. That's somebody who has a little bit more tendency than others to come out and specifically clear out the ball, help out those other defenders a little bit further away from the net. In any case, here's hoping for another great shootout and another fantastic match between these two clubs. Match number four. Our next match keeps us on Saturday on the calendar, but sees us moving across the map. We are headed to South America, specifically Paraguay, for a match in their Primera Division. Now, this is considered the number four league in all of CONMEBOL, that is the South American Federation for our newer fans and listeners, and they are halfway through what is called the Apertura Stage. In uh, most or maybe even all Latin American countries, they tend to divide the league of the soccer year, if you will, into two separate stages or seasons almost, an Apertura opening and then a completely second, a separate season, Clausura or closing stage. Now, 
The winner of each of the stages is going to go to the Copa Libertadores group stage. That is the South American Champions League. And then plus the next two best teams in the aggregate standings at the end of the year that did not happen to win either stage will also get to go, though they will have to start in the second and first qualifying rounds. And then the league also gets four Copa Sudamericana first stage berths. And the Sudamericana is their uh, equivalent to Europe's Europa League. In any case, your matchup. Number one, Libertad taking on number B, Olympia. The standings are as follows. Uh, Libertad lead Olympia by three. Olympia then in turn, they are in a great race for second place. Uh, they are in a three-way tie with Cerro, Prote- Cerro Porteño and Guarani. First, a little bit about Libertad. Uh, like uh, over half the teams in the league, they are located in the capital and largest city of Asuncion. And they are known as, and I wonder if something is lost in the translation here, their nickname is uh, Repollero, which I believe means cabbage. Your guess is as good as mine. Uh, I did a brief bit of Googling and couldn't come up with it. In any case, they are the third most successful co- club in the country's history behind Olympia and Cerro Porteño. Now, they in Champions League, their best overall finish, uh, they finished in 2006 in the semifinals, and then throughout the 2000s, they've made the quarterfinals any number of times. Last year, they finished third place in aggregate. They didn't win either stage. Uh, very soon, exciting for them, they get to play their second opponent of the Copa Libertadores. It's in the third round there right now. They face Colombian side Atletico Nacional. That game's going to be on Wednesday. I'm not doing a mini preview for it, but just so you know that that's out there. And we've talked some about Atletico Nacional just last week. They have won 20 different league titles. Most recent was the Apertura stage in 2017. Uh, this year doing very well statistically. Second best offense, number one defense. On the offensive side, they've got tied for number B league score, Oscar Cardozo, and he has been around the block, 37 years old. He is a striker. If you're a European footy fan, you would really have to be following things in the eastern and southern portion of the continent because uh, the teams that he spent the mid-2010s with were uh, Trabzonspor from Turkey and Olympiakos from Greece. Meanwhile, Olympia, the challengers visiting today, they are known as the Dean. They are also from the capital city, 45 league titles. They've also won three Copa Libertadores titles, and in fact, they are the only club from Paraguay to ever win it even once. Uh, I believe those were a little bit further back historically. Uh, Most recent big success, they were runners-up in 2013. They're also your defending stage champs, essentially. They won uh, the league Clausura stage of 2020. This year, number one on offense, almost two goals per game, very average on defense. I'm not sure that they're going to be able to uh, take the crown this stage, but one never knows. And they do have number two league leading score on their side, Jorge Ricalde. Uh, and oddly enough, he spent eight seasons with Libertad before coming over just last year to play for Olympia. Match number five. We're still on Saturday, a date on the calendar chock full of great games. This one, no exception with the trophy on the line. It's the 2019-2020 Spanish Copa del Rey final. They still had yet to finish this up, as you might imagine, because of lots of delays because of COVID. And yes, the current Copa del Rey is still going on, and we'll cover that final when we get to it, probably within a month or so. In any case, normally the winner of this event gets a group stage spot in the Europa League as well as one in the four-team preseason league Supercopa, but not this year because of COVID. The match is also going to be played in a neutral site, Seville. 
The matchup is Athletic Bilbao versus Real Sociedad. Bilbao, they are known as the Lions. They are up in Basque country in the north. And uh, this is one of just a couple, I believe, clubs in the uh, entire world that are very specific ethnically about what players that they will allow to be on the club. You have to have connection to or be from uh, Basque country. And these are a, a people of largely uh, Southern European kind of Mediterranean descent. So kind of a cool side note there. They have won this particular event 23 different times, but not since 1983. So even without a Europa uh, League berth on the line, this is going to be very exciting for them. Uh, this year doing pretty average in Spain's top flight, La Liga. They are number nine there. Offense and defense are uh, right in line with that, number eight and seven, respectively, in the league. Uh, they did have to uh, beat a pretty good opponent to get to the final. They beat Granada 3-1 in the semifinal. On their side, they have number one event scorer, Alexander Isaac from Sweden, a striker just 21 years old. I'm honestly not 100% sure how much he specifically gets to start when it comes to league play, but he is having a whale of a Copa del Rey. Dortmund actually had the rights to him over in Germany for three different years, but they almost exclusively loaned him out to a Dutch club, uh, Willem II, and he's earned himself 20 national team caps since 2017. Meanwhile, their opponent, Real Sociedad, they're from San Sebastian, which is also in the far north of the country, Basque country, having a little bit better league season, uh, number five right now, and they've got the fifth best offense and defense. They had a little easier path to get here, at least as far as the semifinal. They got to play a uh, Division II team, CD Merandes, and they beat them three to one. Uh, they have won this event twice. Most recently was in the early 80s. And the other one, you have to go all the way back to 1909. Talk about a trophy with perhaps a little bit of dust on it. Uh, competing for them, tied for number three event scorer, Yuri, Yuri rather, Berchiche. And I love to see guys doing this. He predominantly plays left back, a defensive position, and yet he's getting a bunch of goals here in the Copa del Rey. Uh, he was with PSG for two seasons before he came here in 2018, and he has been playing for a non-FIFA-affiliated uh, quote-unquote national team, the Basque Country National Team, since 2014. Ah, there it is, the sonorous three-kitten mew of Persinu, which can only signify, as is perfectly logical, that it's time to take a break from our current tracking of next week's matches and take a look back and actually do what we purport to do and track last week's matches. Let's see what happened last week, episode 26. Match number one was a Friday match. We had gone to Algeria's League One. Number one, J.S. Saura taking on second place E.S. Setif. Sour one, Sour one, one nil. Uh, guy was hit to look for, did get a goal for them. Uh, Bilal Mesode got a goal. Uh, Saura now lead by three. Setif are tied with Oran, but have three matches in hand on them. So this is still going to very much be a two-horse race. Our second match, match number B, was the Qatar Stars League Club. League Cup, no international berths on the line. Nevertheless, all Salia taking on all Rian in Doha neutral site. Salia got to hoist the trophy with a 2-0 win. Man, we said to look for Mohanad Ali put the uh, game away with the second goal for the team in the 90th minute. Saturday, match number three, we went to Africa's Benin Premier League, where the best team in this entire 34-team league at number one, Rakim took on number two, AS Kotanu and the Sharks 
Rakan won two to one. They retain number one, as you might imagine. Kotanu dropped to number three in their group. Match number four, we went to India's I League. Number one, uh, Gokulam taking on number B, T R A U, and uh, Galkulam won four to one in an absolute rout. One of the men of the match, a guy was said to keep an eye out for, Denny Atri had the third goal of that particular match for his team. Match number five, we went to Panama's LPF, where group leaders and second best overall Plaza Amador took on overall number one Universitario. They each lead their respective groups, both were undefeated. They remain so with a 2 2 draw. Match number six, we went to Oceana, Tahiti specifically, for a game between number B, P Ray, and number one, AS Dragon. P Ray won in a real shootout, 4 2, and so those two clubs switch places in the table. Sunday's match number seven was a big one. Um, uh, we had Northern Ireland taking on USA as host and a friendly, and uh, Murica, they won 1 to 2. Tuesday, match number eight, Columbia's Categoria Primera A was number four to Lima, taking on number one Atletico Nacional. Now there's a whole mess of teams. Half the league is within like five points of one another, so that was a reason to cover this particular match. Noob Stradamus called this one for us. He said that it was going to be 1-2 in favor of Atletico Nacional. He continues his incredible streak of not having divined even a winner, let alone a score correctly. A Tolima ended up winning 2-1. Now they are tied after a whole bunch of moving around with other matches, tied in the table for number one, and then Atletico Nacional um, are also there, and they go. They have stay ahead on goal differential. Seven other clubs are still within three points. That's where we were. In any case, uh, Wednesday, match number nine was Argentina's Copa de la Liga Profesional, sort of the tag end of the 2020 version. The 2021 version is well underway, but the two, 2020 version still had one match left to go, and it's a Copa Sudamericana playoff. Bella Sarsfield and Banfield battling for a berth in the South American version of Europa League. And it was Banfield, a dramatic win, 2-3. to three. Uh, Banfield scored the first two goals. Uh, Bella Sarsfield then equalized, and uh, Banfield had to get a late goal to keep it from going to penalty kicks. A player that we did not say to look for, but uh, did very well, Luciano Pons had a brace for Banfield. Our 10th and final official match of the track, we went to the UEFA Women's Champions League quarterfinal, leg number two. DFL Wolfsburg played host here in the second league to Chelsea FC Women. Chelsea had won the first match 2-1 to one on their own ground, and they won by an even bigger margin this time on the road. They traveled well and won nil 3 so the aggregate was 1-5 in their favor. And they will face Bayern Munich in the semifinals. Our bonus matches and the definitions on these will become clear a little bit later in the broadcast. We did not have a route of the week for a couple different reasons. We'll skip right over that to the second one. Our most meaningless match in the world. We had a couple of Midland teams from Luxembourg's National Division. Number 8, FC Progress, Niederkorn, and number 7, Racing Union, and Niederkorn won 2 to nil. They move up to 5th place in the standings. Meanwhile, Racing Union dropped down to number 8. And then finally, our match of disappointed, full of scoring, was a Saturday match. Back to Asia, we went Hong Kong's Premier League. Uh, second to last place, number 7, Happy Valley, played host to last place, Southern District. And the result, of course, you can rarely see a win 
in the match are disappointed. It was a 1-1 draw, though we did get one thing right. Happy Valley's Robert Odu, the guy that we said might be manning the match, he uh, got off on the right foot, so to speak. He scored a goal in the sixth minute, and both teams caught up a little bit with third to last place Resources Capital, probably the true worst team in that league. They are now each just one point behind RC. And that concludes your recap of last week's matches. Now let's return to the current week's tracking with... Match number six. For Sunday, we have a lighter schedule. Just one match made our cut for the 10 to track. And uh, a little bit closer to home, we are headed to CONCACAF, specifically St. Kitts and Nevis' Premier League down in the Caribbean. Uh, it's considered, I believe, the number 14 rated league association in CONCACAF. Uh, FIFA puts it at about number 140 in the world, I believe. There are just five matches into the season so far, but we still got a great race here early. I believe this league is considered semi-professional rather than uh, fully professional or amateur. Normally, this would mean that they would send a team to the uh, Club Caribbean Shield Tournament. There's a uh, there's a uh, one higher one for the fully professional leagues, and then the secondary one for the amateur and semi-pro league association clubs. But they have not sent their champion there, I don't believe, since sometime in the mid-90s. In any case, uh, could and should still be an exciting race. Your matchup, number B, St. Paul's United versus number one, St. Peter's. And it is tight indeed after just five matches. There is a three-way tie for first on points in the table. Uh, the third team is Garden Hotspurs. St. Paul's have the advantage right now because they have a match in hand. They've only played four games to everybody else's five pretty much, at least here at the top of the table. Uh, first, St. Paul's United. They play in Basseterre, which is the capital of St. Kitts and Nevis, about 15,000. But they're not actually from there. Uh, Basseterre is located on the island, uh, the larger and more northerly of the two uh, main islands. Basseterre is in the southeast. St. Paul, where they're actually from, is on the north end. Uh, they play the Ambassador at a place, Warner Park, capacity about 3,500. Uh, horrible crest, by the way. I look for these every so often. It looks like, and I'm dating myself here a little bit, but it kind of looks like the American Family Insurance sort of logo with the outline of the house with Anyway, it's bad. Uh, they have four league titles to their credit. They most recently won the league in 2014-15. Uh, they are 4-0-0 on the year. Third best offense, but the defense is where they're really getting it done. They have only conceded one goal so far on the season. I know it's early, but that's still uh, really amazing in my mind. Uh, meanwhile, St. Peter's, they are from and play in Basseterre, but oddly enough, I believe they play on a different grounds. Uh, the Atiba Erasto Harris Sporting Complex, which only seats about 1,500. Uh, they are known as the Strikers. They lost their very first match of the season to the aforementioned Garden Hotspurs, but they have not lost a game since. Uh, their best ever league finish was in 2009-2010. They were the runners-up. Last year, they finished in fifth place. This year, they are scoring like a house of fire. Three and a half goals per match. And they've only let in two goals. So while that's just the second best defense, I mean, that's basically a wash. I think that this is team early on. The stats are going to show is your favorite to win the league in St. Kitts and Nevis. Match number seven. By coincidence, uh, the matches of the 10 to track once we get past Saturday are really nicely spread out. So here is our Monday match. 
the seventh one. We go to Denmark to their Superliga. This is considered the number 14 rated league in UEFA, which is down one spot from a year ago. They got passed by up-and-coming Scotland. Uh, they are 22 games into the season. Uh, like a lot of leagues, they split in half into championship and relegation groups where they play, in this case, a double round robin. All the points, this isn't always the case in some leagues, from the first 22 games are going to carry over now into the championship and relegation rounds. Uh, in any case, this league, by virtue of the ranking, gets one Champions League berth. That team uh, doesn't get started in the group stage, though. Third qualifying round. They get another one in the second qualifying round and then a couple of Europa Conference League berths like virtually everybody in Europe. Your matchup, number B, Mitulan versus number one, Brunby IF. Uh, Brunby lead the league by two. Uh, Mitulan, in turn, lead number three, Orhus by five points. Uh, Mitulan are going through this, are going for the sweep. They won the last league matchup 1-0 at their place, 1-0, I should say. And then on the road, 2-3 uh, to three in a shootout. A little bit about each. Mitulan, they are known as the Wolves. They sort of claim two towns as their hometown, for lack of a better way to phrase it. Uh, both Herning and Icast are their homes. If I'm pronouncing those right, it might be Ecast. They're, uh, the grounds of which they actually play are in the larger town of Herning. Now, the reason for this is uh, just a little over 20 years ago, two different clubs that uh, weren't doing a lot of damage in the country wanted to get together and form a larger club that could eventually compete in the Superliga. They got there in 2000, by the way. So two rival clubs from these two villages or towns merged to create uh, Mitulan. It is considered uh, to be just outside of the top 100 by FIFA overall for clubs. Uh, the best European finish they've ever had was in the Europa League. They made the round of 32, the knockout stage. That was in 2015-16. Uh, this year, the 2020-2021 Champions League, they actually won three matches and got to the group stage, but then they finished last there, so they didn't get to drop down even to the Europa League. Their international season was simply done. Uh, they have won the th league title three different times. Uh, they are the defending champions. Uh, this year, they appear to be well on their way in, courtesy of their defense. They're one of just two clubs that are allowing less than one goal per match. Uh, they also have a top three offense. Uh, a lot of that is on the feet of number seven league scorer, Sori Kaba. He is from Guinea, a forward, 25 years old. Uh, he has played in uh, some bigger leagues, although I don't know how much he started. He was with uh, Dijon over in France, League One, uh, for part of 2019 before he came over here. And he was with uh, La Liga Club Elche before that. And he's also been doing time uh, with his own uh, Ghanaian men's national team since 2017. Top 10 on assists, you can also look in the box score for Anders Dreyer, or Dreyer, D-R-E-Y-E-R, -E -E right winger, 22. Uh, he's been over in England before with Brighton and Hope, but they always had him loaned out for some reason. Meanwhile, challenging, we have Brondby from the uh, town of Brondy Vester. Uh, this is an area that's part of the greater Copenhagen area. I don't know if you would consider a suburb or an exurb. It's about 10 miles out, a uh, town of about 25,000. Uh, 2005-2006, they made the third qualifying round of the Champions League, so not quite the group stage, but close. 2018-19 was their most recent international play, and they made the playoff round. That's one match before the group stage in the Europa League. Uh, they have won the league title 10 times, but it has been a while, 2004-2005. Last year, they finished number four. Uh, this year, the defense is good. Uh, the offense is number one, though. They're almost scoring two games per match. Uh, tied for number one in league scoring is Mikel 
Ur, U-H-R-E, I hope I'm getting the pronunciation right, Ur. He's a forward, 26 years old. And then number one in assists in the league, also with Bronby, Jesper Lindstrom. He's a homegrown winger, just 21 years old. Enjoy him while you can, Bronby. I have a feeling that he'll be moving on to one of the top 10 European leagues before long. And he also just got his first national team cap last year. Match number eight. The Ocho, your lone Tuesday match, uh, keeps us in Europe, sort of. We're headed off to the Premier League of Israel, not geographically in Europe, of course, but they play in that particular confederation for political purposes. Uh, They are rated number 21 in all of UEFA, and they just passed a couple of countries, uh, Laplandic ones, Norway and Sweden, in those coefficient rankings. Right now, they just get one Champions League berth, and that team has to start all the way back in the first qualifying round. But their two Europa Conference League teams will get started in the second qualifying round. Uh, They're 26 matches into the season, which means they, too, are just splitting into their championship and relegation uh, groupings and rounds, six teams each. They're going to play a double round robin, so 10 matches left for each of them. And it is a two-horse race here between number one, Maccabi Haifa, and number B, Maccabi Tel Aviv. This is known as the Derby of Israel. Uh, it's a big deal because these are, of course, such good two teams and because they're part of the same uh, sporting club. Maccabi has something like 50 clubs the world over at various levels, I believe. Uh, this used to be easily the hottest derby in all of Israel. The rise of Hapoel Tel Aviv has cooled that off some, but this is still a very big deal. And obviously this year, because Haifa lead by just one point and then Tel Aviv lead third place Ashdod by 15. Ashdod ain't going to get up there. In any case, uh, Tel Aviv, they won uh, 2-1 to one in the last match. And earlier in the season when they had gone to Maccabi Haifa, they had managed a 2-2 draw. So first, a little bit about Haifa. They are known as the Green Locomotive, or the other nickname I found for them that I really like, the Green Apes, whatever those would be. Uh, little cultural note here. If you like your working class teams, you'll like this one. There's an expression that I've heard of in Israel that says, Haifa works, Jerusalem prays, and Tel Aviv plays. So this is your working class team up in the north part of the country. Uh, They have made the Champions League uh, group stage two different times, most recently in 2009-2010. This year, the current 2020-2021 season, uh, they were in the Europa League and advanced all the way to the playoff round right before the group stage. And then they lost 2-7, just got murdered by Tottenham Hotspur. They have won the league title in Israel 12 different times, but it's been a decade since they hoisted that trophy last. Last year, they finished number B in the table. This year, statistically, they are looking like the favorites, number one on offense and defense, and they're scoring over two goals per match. Number one league scorer is at their disposal. He almost has twice as many goals as anybody else in the league, Nikita Rukavistia. He is an Austrian 33-year-old who plays winger, born in the Ukraine, actually. And uh, if you follow the Bundesliga, you might be familiar with his name. He played for a couple of their lesser teams, Mainz and uh, Hertha Berlin. Also, they got two guys on the leaderboard in the top 10 for assists. Uh, the one I'll mention, Omer uh, Otzili, because he used to play for La Liga side Granada. And I always like to look for players who have been in those bigger leagues before. And we also had what for me was an unexpected USA connection, because I don't think this guy has ever probably been on the USMNT roster, even at the youth level, a fellow named Josh Cohen. He plays goalkeeper for them. Uh, He has some U.S. experience, but not at the MLS level. He played his college ball in San Diego, I believe. 
And then I know he played for three different uh, second-tier teams in the U.S. He was with Orange County, Phoenix Rising, and uh, Sacramento Republic. He's been with this team here in Israel, Haifa, since 2019. Meanwhile, Maccabi Tel Aviv, this is the number one team in the country historically. 23 league titles, including the last two full seasons. Uh, this year in the Champions League, they got all the way to the playoff round before they lost to Red Bull Salzburg out of Austria. Uh, then they went to the Europa League and got to the round of 32 before they lost to Ukraine inside their powerhouse, Shakhtar Donetsk. Uh, they last made the Champions League, maybe the only time they made the group stage was in 2015-16. Uh, this year, they're second best on offense and defense, but to be honest, it's very, very close. Uh, they've got the uh, tied for second best leading scorer in the league, Jonathan Cohen. He's a forward. And then the number one man for assists on the league is at their disposal as well, Dan Byton, who plays attacking midfielder. Match number nine. Trekking on into Wednesday, we visit another confederation. We're in Asia for the uh, AFC Champions League qualifying playoff round. Uh, here in the qualifying stage for their Champions League, there are eight teams left in the East and West regions. They're each just going to play one other team one time. Winners get in, losers go home, single matches. Uh, the team that is from the higher-seeded association is the one that will be hosting each of these matches. And the one I've chosen from these to look at is uh, all uh, Jarafa versus AGMK. First, a little bit about Jarafa. I want to make sure I get my emphases on the right syllables there. They are out of uh, Qatar, which uh, the Qatar Stars League is uh, right now considered the second best league in all of Asia, the right between uh, China and Japan. They are known as the Cheetahs, fun mascot. Uh, they play in a district of Al Rayyan by that same name as their club. Uh, they're in the east central part of the country. Uh, this is basically a residential and retail suburb, so not your working class team like we talked about in the previous match necessarily. Uh, their best Champions League finish, uh, they made the group stage back in 2010, and I don't believe they've been back to the Champions League since. At the very least, not the group stage, but I don't think it's been at all. Uh, last year, what they qualified to get to this point by finishing fourth in the Qatar Stars League. This year, they're doing almost as well in league play, fifth place. Uh, I think they can climb a little bit, fourth best offense, third best defense. Uh, they've got tied for number six league leading scorer Jonathan Kudja playing for them. He's from the Ivory Coast, a forward. Uh, European footy fans might know him from playing in France for uh, a couple of League One teams, uh, Rons as well as Angers, and then over in England with uh, Bristol City and Aston Villa. And tied for number one in the league in assists, Sofian Ani. He's an Algerian, plays attacking forward. Uh, real journeyman, been all over Europe. Most recently played in Russia for a very good club, Spartak Moscow. Meanwhile, your visitors, and the reason I chose this match, because they would be the biggest underdog, AGMK. They play out of Uzbekistan, which is the number 10 rated league in Asia. Uh, this club is known as the Miners or the Metallurgists, if you like your uh, nicknames a little harder to say. Uh, they're from the town of uh, Omelik, about 100,000, uh, about 40 miles from the capital city of Tashkent, where a lot of the clubs in this country are from. If this name rings a bell to you in a non-footy way, it's because they were and perhaps still are considered the single most polluted place on the entire 
planet. And this is because of the mining industry. This was actually formed as a Russian company town pretty much exclusively for that purpose. Uh, the club was founded in 2004. They've never won the domestic league. That said, they have made two Champions League appearances before this year. They qualified by finishing number three in the Super League last year. They're only in eighth place right now in their league, but it's just three matches into the season. Uh, right now, again, it's very, very early, so this may or may not mean much, but their top score for, so far on the season, Alvin Fortis, he is he represents uh, Cape Verde in Africa by ancestry. He's actually Dutch-born, plays right winger for them, and uh, deep European footy fans might recognize his name. He's played for some uh, mid-range minor clubs in uh, the Netherlands, Turkey, and just last year in Kazakhstan. Very nice. And match number 10, we're done. Finally! While we still have our three super fun bonus matches to go, we have reached the official end of our 10 to track with the 10th match. This is going to be a really quick mini preview because it's not going to be a mini preview per se. It's just a fun place. I love ending podcasts in the Caribbean. I know that there's been a whole mess of other tournament and league matches that I could have gone with that are quote unquote more important, but I almost uh, changed my moniker to the soccer squirrel because I like shiny things like trophies and there is one on the line in Aruba. They are playing their FA Cup final there, what they call the Copa Betico Cross, C-R-O-E-S. So there is a little bit of extra fun learning that not all of your footy friends who don't listen to this program will know, and you'll have that on them. Uh, the reason I can't give much of a, a preview for this is because here at recording time, the semifinals have yet to be played. Those are going to be played on uh, Sunday and then the final will be played on Thursday. I can only tell you that the final uh, four teams still left alive are clubs named uh, uh, Nacional, RCA, those two will be playing off, and then La Fama and Britannia. Britannia is the most recent one that I saw to win the league, so I suppose I will name that the favorite for whatever that's worth. They won it three years ago. Uh, the league was abandoned last year, and I don't believe they've started playing it this year. This might be the only thing they're doing for all I know. And that is all I know about this one, and thusly concludes the 10th and last official 10-to-track match. And now, perhaps my favorite part of the podcast, we get into our three bonus matches. Now, I am Soccer Noob USA on Twitter. I hope that you will find me on there for these purposes and just to talk footy in general. I put up candidate matches on polls on there that fit each of these bonus matches features parameters. You vote in the polls, of course. And in this case, because we had a couple, Person Noob got to break the ties on what matches we were going to cover. We start with one of the world's first versus last place top flight league matches. And here's Person Noob with her homemade echo sound effect. She likes to call this the... Route, 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 route of, 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 of the week, 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 week. And our Route of the Week match this week that you have all selected is a Saturday matchup from the NIFL that is in Northern Ireland, their football league's premiership. It's rated just number two out of the 55 leagues in UEFA, but that is up seven spots from a year ago. Uh, the winner is going to get to go to the Champions League first qualifying round. They will also get a Europa League first qualifying round berth and then one for the ECL as well. They're not doing any relegation this season, which is good news for our home team this time. They're three quarters of the way through the season. Your potential route of the week for the entire planet Earth is the 
Dungannon Swifts. They're in last place, taking on number one Linfield in Northern Ireland. Uh, Dungannon are currently two points below second to last place Carrick Rangers. Linfield, meanwhile, are seven points up on second place uh, Colerain, although that team does have a match in hand on them. And Linfield won the first match between these two teams 4 0. All right, first, let's look at our potential roadkill, uh, Dungannon Swifts. Uh, Dungannon is in the south-central part of the country. It's only, in fact, the third largest town even in their own county of uh, Tyrone. Area only has about 15,000 people. They are very well known uh, for playing a lot of their very, very young players uh, in their system. They start them right out in the first team, more or less. Uh, it's semi-professional. Uh, they've never won a league title. Uh, they have been to the Europa League uh, a couple of times, but uh, are obviously not in a position where they're probably going to make it this year. Last year, they finished in ninth place. Uh, currently, in their last 10 matches, they're on a not-so-successful streak, just 1-0-9. They've only got four wins on the entire season, in fact, and three draws. They have uh, the second-to-worst defense. The real problem is on offense, though. They couldn't find the net if you dropped it on top of them. Worst offense by a lot. Uh, that said, who can they possibly hang their hopes on for a miracle upset even at home? Their best all-around player is probably their midfielder, Douglas Wilson. He's got four goals on the season, and he played for uh, English side whole city mid-decade, so he's got a little bit of experience in him. Uh, meanwhile, your victors in waiting, certainly. Linfield, they play out of the capital city of Belfast. Uh, they are ranked right at about number 250 in uh, FIFA. All these teams in this league are just semi-professional. Uh, in uh, this current season in the Champions League, they actually got through the preliminary rounds, two different matches, before they lost in the first official qualifying round to Legio Warsaw. And then they lost to a Maltese team called Floriana in the Europa League. Still, for a bunch of guys not getting paid full-time and have to have day jobs, I say that's pretty good. Uh, last year was their best European finish overall. They actually made the playoff round of the Europa League. They do much better domestically. 54 league titles. That's over twice as many as anybody else in the country. Uh, they've also won it the last two years, winning. Running. They are in a 6-1 streak right now. Uh, the only chink of the armor, uh, a couple matches ago, they lost to uh, Bali Mena. And uh, in their very last match, they had to go to one of the worst teams in the league, Ported Down, and they only managed a 0-1 victory. Uh, they've got the best offense running in the league, 50% more goals or more than anybody else, top three defense as well. Uh, number one league score, and I believe we just got to see him in a friendly uh, between national teams, Northern Ireland's and the USA's, is Shane Lavery, and he is just 22 years old, a forward, so I would expect him to be moving on to a full-time footy job before too long. Uh, Everton actually had the rights to him uh, between 2017 and 19, but he made no appearances for them and spent some of that time loaned out to uh, Scottish club Falkirk. Uh, they won, as I said earlier, they won their own home match against this team, for nil, I believe the score is going to be the same, but just flip this time. I believe they will win the road match by the same score. Our next bonus match is where the Noobcast, I believe, stands alone amongst all footy podcasts in the world. Uh, top teams and occasionally bottom teams are the ones that get the spotlight in this and uh, most podcasts. But football of all qualities is being played everywhere and noob likes to give a little bit of love even if it's a little tongue-in-cheek each week to two clubs that are in the middle of their league tables 
perfectly equidistant from international tournament berths and glory and relegation zones getting kicked out of their league. These teams are not in danger uh, of any kind, nor are they glory bound. This is Maestro's Please. Could you be the most meaningless match in the world? Yes, you could. You're so boring. With apologies to Prince, yes, the most meaningless match in the world. It is a Sunday match, and we are headed to uh, the very celebratory soccer country right now of North Macedonia, their first league. Before I give you the mini preview, congratulations are due to their national team. They just had their biggest win, uh, I believe, in the entire national history. They scored a road upset against Germany in World Cup qualification in the group stage there. I believe the score was... uh, 1-2. Just absolutely phenomenal they were able to pull that off. Nothing against Germany. Now, uh, the first league, the top flight there, is the number 38 rated league in UEFA. That's up a spot from a year ago. They get the bare minimum for a Champions League and ECL berths about three quarters of the way through the season in this 12-team league. And the teams we're looking at, number five, Rabatnitschke, and number six, FK, I believe it's pronounced Boric, B-O-R-E-C. Uh, They are tied on points in the table. Uh, They are both, therefore, eight points from third place, uh, which is where they would need to get, hypothetically, to get a European berth of some kind, and five points even from second to last place, where to stay in the league, they would have to win a relegation playoff game with a second division team. They're not in any danger of having any of those fun or exciting things happen to them. It is going to be perfectly meaningless. In any case, Rabinitschke, uh, like most countries, there's always at least one team that it seems was founded by a railway company for their workers, and that is uh, this one. They are the Railers. They are from the capital city of about a half a million of Skopje. Their best European finish ever was uh, the playoff round of the Europa League right before that group stage. That was just a few years ago, 2015-16. 12 league titles to their credit, in fact, but the most recent one was in 2013-14. Interesting to find them in the meaningless match because I believe that since the league's uh, history is fairly young because of the Soviet days and, of course, the league structure is changing, that that those 12 league titles are the most in the nation's history. Uh, They have an astounding 12 draws in their 24 matches. I don't know if this makes them tough, soft, or what's the deal. And it's not like they're parking the bus um, and just, you know, trying to keep other teams from scoring and not trying to score themselves. Uh, They've got, they're very middling statistically, number six offense, number five defense. Last year, they finished number eight. Uh, Top scorer on this team, a guy to look for is Nikola Prelchek. And ironically, he actually played with Borek, their opponents today, earlier this season. Meanwhile, Boric, they are from the city of uh, Velez in the central, north-central part of the country. Very much an industrial hub, uh, newly big on IT, city of about 40,000. I'm going to butcher the pronunciation. Uh, One of their, or the main supporters group there, are called the, uh, I don't know if it's a hard or soft G, Gemizhi. It's G-E-M-I-D-Z with a diacritical mark that makes the J sound and then two I's, which I believe would be I and E if it's done like uh, Roman, but I don't know. In any case, uh, that name historically, if it rings a bell for history buffs, uh, they would be better known as uh, historically the Boatmen of Thessalonica. They're named for a bunch of Bulgarian uh, ethnic anarchists from North Macedonia who uh, bombed parts of Thessalonica in Greece 
Back in 1903, uh, their purpose was to bring attention to the oppression of the ethnic Ottomans uh, in that particular uh, area of the world. So your politics and your soccer in Europe and most of the world, always ever so married. Uh, this team, welcome back to the top flight. They've been out of it for 19 years. They've only won the league title one time ever, 1989. Uh, last year, they were just in ninth place on the season god event. Uh, abandoned uh, this year statistically they look like they belong in this match nine six and nine in a perfectly meaningless 23 and 23 goal differential for a margin of zero of course uh, unlike their counterparts today uh, they do tend to play a very specific way uh, they don't score a lot but they've got the number four defense in the league running what scoring they do get, look in the box score for Marion Ritovsky. And for the second time this podcast, we've got somebody, I believe, who is a defender, 24 years old, and he's got five goals for the team on the season. And finally, dear Newbites, if I may refer to you as such, we come to the true end of this week's and episode's podcast road. Uh, as always, our final match may leave you with a bit of a sour taste in your mouth. In fact, it's designed to. Noob has scoured the globe for matchups featuring two bottom feeders facing off to see which one can stink a little less for one not-so-shining moment. This is your match of... Disappointed! Thanks, as always, to Kevin Sorbo for his Herculean level of disdain for these... Uh, soccer sad sacks, your match of disappointed. It is a Wednesday match. It takes us to South Korea, which is the number five rated league in the AFC. Not even going to tell you. It doesn't matter for these two teams what sort of international bursts they get. More importantly for these losers, uh, one team is going to get automatically relegated and the other one is going to have to play in a relegation playoff facing off against a oh, second or third place team from the K-League 2 in South Korea, their second division for the right to stay up in the top flight. Your matchup, number 11, Gwangju FC versus number 12, Suwon FC. Gwangju currently leads Suwon by one, and uh, they trail third to last place, Gangwon, by one point. Now, in fairness, it is only six matches into the season. Those are narrow margins in the table, and a lot can change. But still, we like to recognize uh, utter ineptitude when we see you here at Team Noob, and I believe that we have found it. Your first example, number 11, Gwangju FC. They are known as the Griffins. A uh, little bit about them. Gwangju is the number uh, six uh, sized city in South Korea, about one and a half million people. Uh, that said, it's a very agricultural province overall. I think the name of it is, uh, and I'll butcher the pronunciation, uh, Jeolla, J-E-O-L-L-A, in any case, southwest part of the country, known for its very, very progressive politics. If you like your footy left wing, uh, looking at you uh, Seattle Sounders and Portland Timbers fans, uh, the only thing you can agree on is probably this footy. Very progressive politics there. Very young club, just founded in 2000. 2010. Last year, they finished in sixth place, having a rougher time this year. Uh, they've yo-yoed a bit. This is their third time, even in their young history in K1. They've gone down a couple of times. They've done no better than eighth place in any given full season of the league. Uh, this year, they've only managed one win and one draw against four losses, uh, six and eight on their goal differential. Uh, very middling statistically, uh, so I think there's some hope for them to climb, although it's early, number eight offense and defense. And they're coming off in a way draw against number six, Jeju United. So who knows? Maybe everything is coming up Guangzhou, and whoever thought that that could be a phrase. Uh, 
Uh, let's see here. They're all around best player, I believe it would be safe to say, uh, even though it's early in the season, is Ju Gong Kim, right winger, 24. He's got a couple goals for them. Meanwhile, Suwon, not to be mixed up with Suwon Blue Wings. That is a different and, quite frankly, a much better club. Uh, this team is the Dashers. Uh, Suwon, so you know, is about 20 miles southwest of Seoul in this district. This urban area has about, uh, about one and a quarter million people or so. Another moderately young club founded in 2003, and they didn't actually go fully professional until 2012, and that's when they changed their name to Suwon FC. Uh, 2016 was just their first time in K1, and they didn't last long the first time. Uh, last year, they were in uh, K2, the second division, and won the promotion in the playoffs. They didn't even win that league, but here they get to be courtesy of said promotion playoffs. They have yet to uh, win. They are 0-0, and I've got my notes 3, but they can't be right. I believe it's 0-0-6. In any case, they have a negative 7 goal differential, worse than the league. Worst offense, second to worst defense. Where do you even start with how putrid this team is? On the scoring leaderboard, uh, probably wishing he wasn't there, Yang Dong Hyun. Uh, he's a veteran, been around a long time, and hopefully with some much better clubs, 35-year-old striker. Best club he's ever played for. It was probably the only time he didn't play in South Korea. He was with a club uh, in Japan, Sarazo Osaka. And as a final note here for the match of Disappointed and a final note on this particular uh, city, even though it's not where the match is being played, Suwon, uh, the cultural note I found for them is they are very, oh so very proud of their public lavatories. I don't know if there's something arty about them or if it's just the cleanliness but they love them so darn much, they figure everybody else would and should and actually provide city bus tours for visitors to view the bathrooms. And so on that note, hopefully the management or editor and producer has an appropriate sound effect for us to end our last match on so disappointedly. And there it goes, circling down the drain. As you would imagine, that's a wrap on this episode of the 10 to Track. Uh, thanks very much to my co-host, Person Noob, to the management for his production and editing duties, and to Dan, the former Interno Inferno, for his uh, current and ongoing efforts. And to you for listening. And hey, if you wouldn't mind, pass the show on, the name or the link, wherever you can. We're striving really hard to give folks some footy talk about matches and in a way that you maybe just can't find anywhere else. Thank you for that. Until next time, have a fabulous footy week. Take care. Mm -hmm.